Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. Hello, you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Today, another chance to hear an interview with the poet Leila Josephine. Leila is from Scotland, she's on a national tour this autumn and she is coming to Chapel FM to do a gig with us on October the 29th. She'll be performing alongside Pamela Crowe, Poppy Jennings and Caitlin McKenna, all three fabulous poets from Leeds. Um, she's also doing a workshop in the afternoon of that day on four o'clock, which you can sign up to if you go on our website. It's called Making Friends with Failure. So the idea of writing, perhaps, that we wanted to be different, wanted to be one thing but becomes another, how we can come through that uh, dissatisfaction we sometimes feel with our own writing to produce something different else extraordinary who knows so uh, both uh, those events are on our website www.chapelfm.co.uk here we go an interview with Leila Josephine recorded in April So you're listening to Love the Words on East Leeds FM and we're going to be talking to a performance poet, theatre maker, screenwriter, facilitator, project leader, winner of the UK National Slam at the Royal Albert Hall, that was some years ago, um, but yeah, all those things in one person, uh, Leila Josephine. Hello Leila. Hi, how you doing? Really nice to have you here on Love the Words. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, first of all, yeah, are you primarily a poet, would you say? What, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, people always ask me that. They're like, oh, do you do spoken word or do you do poetry or what do you do? And I think, like, I think I've started to call myself a poet more than a spoken word artist, but I don't really know the difference, to be honest. I think it's a lot of a lot of jargon. But, yeah, I'd say I was a poet mostly. That was what I spent most of my time doing. I was going to ask you, actually, yeah, I mean, about, I mean, it's probably very hard for you to say what an average week entails and what you're doing on any particular Mm. week. But what sort of week have you got, for instance, we're talking on a Monday now? How does the week look for you? Oh, well, I have a deadline next week for a new play uh, script to be done. So I'll be working on that. Um, But I also... Um, what else am I doing? I've got a workshop on Wednesday night that I'm teaching so young, for some young people. Uh, and then I've got a screening of my film on Wednesday during the day. 
And then I'm also, this is actually, this this is a bit of a name droppy thing, uh, but I'm going to the BAFTAs at the weekend, which I'm buzzing about as well. Excellent. So, uh, but yeah, that's all like, that's actually quite a glamorous week. Usually it's um, getting up and looking at a blank page and doing some free writing and pulling my hair out um, or skiving and going for a nap at lunchtime and that kind of thing. So uh, lots of different things, but um yeah, weeks weeks look very different um, every month, kind of. I can understand that, and mine do too. But that's uh, I'm glad I've picked, uh, uh, sort of uh, yeah picked today in a in a glamorous week. My <laughs> glamorous week. I wish you could see me now, like literally still in my jammies. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> so tell us about the uh, the new play. Oh, the new play, well, it's all kind of under wraps at the moment um, and it's not even in first draft yet, but um, I'm working with the National Theatre of Scotland uh, to develop a new story about two women that are kidnapped. Um, mm. So that's that's kind of the gist of it. That's very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, sounds very interesting. So when, when will that uh, happen? Some way off, presumably? Oh, you know what it's like. It's like you actually never know the yeah. the trajectory of a... Of a um, creative thing you know it never it might never be made and I think that that's one thing that I'm starting to realize like later in my career is actually you just have to make regardless of what the outcome is and you just have to trust that even if it never is made it's a stepping stone on the way to something else um and I think there's that realizing that is very freeing um and not to push push projects or poems actually you know if I put sometimes you spend hours and hours on a poem and actually you never use it but it was a stepping stone to get you to realize a new structure for another poem or realize a new metaphor or something like that yeah you've got a new poetry collection coming out in fact it's your first sort of is that right your first poetry collection yeah i'd say it is i i have released another book before but it was more like documentation of my theater show hopeless which had lots of kind of spoken word pieces in it but this is definitely being written for the page um which has been like a bit of a challenge and uh having to really rethink my practice and writing um and I think COVID helped with that you know like I used to write for performance and now when performance was kind of taken away I started doing much more writing for page and it's been yeah it's been an interesting journey and you know I I really enjoy learning and adapting to different forms um so yeah it's coming out in November with Burning Eye Books um and I'm petrified and I'm still writing it, but it's it's happening. It'd be lovely to hear something either from 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 that um a preview of something or uh or something in progress or just something you've got around in your head or lying sure. about. Sure, I have a um, poem called "Questions I Have for Birds" that I'd like to to read to you. Um, I live in Presswick, which is out by um, the seaside um, near Glasgow, but I also live beside an airport and uh, I can see the runway from my house and I notice a lot of plane watchers coming out and watching the planes and I have a new hobby that I'm a plane watcher watcher. I'm like very curious <laughs> about these people. Um, but also when I'm watching the the plane watchers I also see that there's like loads of birds and I think the birds really love the the open space of the the airport I, I mean I feel like they're living on the edge but I do love watching them and I noticed that they were um they always like fly for much longer and in the same spot when it's windy 
and that made me think and I really wanted to ask them some questions about that so that's what the poem's about and it's called questions I have for birds questions I have for birds where do you go at night how do you hear without any ears does it hurt when you lose a feather are you friends with one another you know the worms that you strangle out of the air? It's like screaming red newborns. Do you chew them or swallow them whole? I've never seen a glint of a tooth, so I imagine that's how it works. Is it like swallowing a piece of spaghetti? Is it like sucking your tongue to the spine? Can you confirm? Can you feel them squirm in your belly like eels until the acid melts them to mush? I see you on windy days flying harder and for longer. Is there more joy in that kind of weather? gusty and unpredictable does it make you feel invincible i see how you dip and glide a moment a clarity a break from the monotony of a daily bird routine what does that feel like if you had time to explain i'd love to know is it like a child slapping their palms down on the ocean top a pair of lesbians kissing hard on the street how a violin feels when it's plucked does it make you vibrate an old man shouting checkmate in a park with a board on a bench pardon the pun but is it like a duck to water is it like coming up on a dance floor the first taste of tea of a mother's pinky bird's what is the human version of flying when it's windy do you get lost in it? Does it feel like your purpose? Birds, tell me what I can do. I want to feel that thing always on the wind, on the surf, on the nose, on the breeze, the clarity, the coming together. That's what life is for, maybe. Sorry, I brought it back to myself again. So selfish of me. Now do say, how do you stand on such small feet? Do you have a favourite seat? How do you know what song to sing? Lovely stuff. Thanks, Layla. Yeah, and is that from the new collection? Yeah, that'll be in the new collection, yeah. It, the collection's called In Public and Private. Um, yeah, I'm just going to put you on something you said before. You said you were you were terrified. Is that particularly in relation to the fact that it's in print? Uh, yeah, I think so. I also, you know, hold myself to quite high expectations, which I actually am trying to trying to not do and just see that it's just part of a process but I think because I've been writing poetry for so long I've been kind of holding back on doing a collection because you only get to do your first collection once um, but I'm also dyslexic so I think that there's a real fear of um, feeling stupid or feeling excluded in some way and I'm sure you'll you'll agree with me but the more you the more you write poetry, the more you realise you've still got to learn. <laughs> so the more I'm doing it, the more I'm realising, you know, how much more I want to do and how much more I want to learn. Great. I mean, when you, and you did a, just going back a bit, you did a, a performance degree. Is that right? Mm, yeah, I, did, uh, I went to drama school. So, yeah, I was interested in that. So did you, uh, I mean, would the, the, the person who, who was there, um, however many years ago, would they be surprised at what you're doing now? Yeah, they would be really surprised. I also think the person that was at school would be even more surprised because, you know, I didn't get a lot from English at school and um, I felt I felt quite stupid. And actually to see that I'm a writer now, it kind of blows my mind. And, you know, I've had to do a lot of, a lot of investigating why that is. And actually I have to, I have to battle a lot of voices in my head every time I sit down at the page. You know, as I'm sure we all do. Yeah. But yes, I mean, it, that, and that's also interesting to me because you work uh, a lot in schools. You're, you're, you're mm. a writer in uh, residence 
with with the Scottish schools, is it? Uh, so I last year I was um, writer residence at the Edinburgh International Book Festival. So yeah, but I do a lot of work in schools, and I also work with the Scottish Book Trust a lot um, within uh, their stuff, and I absolutely love doing it. Um, yeah. And but you know when I'm teaching, my priority is the creative kind of spirit rather than getting them to write something polished it's much more important for me that they you know express themselves um and that's i know that that's maybe not a a completely popular opinion when it comes to teaching poetry but for me that's where the magic happens and that's where the the confidence has grown and that's where the you know reflection happens um for the young people so that's what i you know i prioritize I completely resonate with that, uh, Lily. Yeah, I, I mean, if I work in schools, I, for me, it's not about uh, the polished thing. It's very mm. much about awakening a kind of a sense of being able to do it. Because mm. I, I think there are, as you say, I think the voices that tell us that we can't for any reason, for all sorts of reasons, actually, it's not for me. Other people do that. are very strong. Um, yeah, I feel like failure is something that I have started to really, like, appreciate and actually... Um, to teach how to fail in schools is quite radical, I think. And, you know, for me to go in and say, oh, like, you've messed that up or you've got the spelling wrong or the grammar wrong, I kind of, you know, I make fun of it and and it's a joyful thing and actually that just doesn't happen in schools. Um, So I think, you know, to teach failure, to teach creativity is to teach people how to fail and I think that that is a vital way to, a vital thing to learn in your life, not just within your practice, you know. Yeah, actually, really, uh, again, uh, resonates with something I've been thinking about today. I'm doing a, very briefly, I'm doing a project in Leeds about sports uh, and cool. uh, poetry, song, all sorts of stuff, but about roller skating. One of the things that they, in roller skating, they talk about is the first thing you do is learn how to fall. Mm, and, yeah. And I love that, you know, the idea that you've got to learn how to fall uh, in order then to stay up, to be able to, well, to have the courage in a way to get up. Uh, again so um yeah it's sort of resonates. That, yeah. yeah it's great you know um so it'd be lovely to hear uh another poem if you've got one handy sure yeah um so this one is called cherish it and i wrote it i was up in wick i don't know if you've ever heard of wick but it's um on the east coast of scotland it's really really remote um mm. and it's a beautiful spot like it's got lots of history lots of famous stones like very old stones uh, and i went to this uh, this place um where you know people had lived for thousands and thousands of years and i felt it was very quiet and i felt completely um I was a bit lost at the time and I found myself praying, which is something that I don't, I'm not very religious, but um, I do, I do think I'm quite spiritual or I was spiritual in that moment. And I wrote this poem um, called Cherish It. One, I prayed for joy until I realised I already had it. It was just slower than I had imagined. Moved like syrup off a spoon and caught me off guard on a walk, washing the dishes, a violin sailing through my tinny speaker on my iPhone. Two. I prayed for power until I realised I did not want it. Not the blue suit kind anyway. I know it would change me into someone that I would avoid at a speed dating event or a queue at the bank. Three. I prayed for love. Until I remembered what Bell Hooks had told me, that love is action. So I opened the window to let the wasp out. 
I listen carefully when someone tells me their name. I look to the dogs because they are the love experts. And they tell me with their gritty, grumpy voices that love is effort. Love is a slog. Love is work, baby, and it's more than a nine to five. I'm still working on my dog voice, by the way. Four, I prayed for forgiveness until I realised we are born to sin. How else would we learn our unbearable lessons? Aren't we all just bathing in it? Even the bald monk raking leaves, the child waving at the train, even they don't get it right every time. Know that everything I have done wrong, I live with. Five, I prayed for solace until I realised I was already alone and that no one will ever truly know me. Even a child, even a lover that I keep for an eternity, even if my bones one day wash upon the shore of a different land and scientists in the lab prod and poke and dip me and die make a computerised version of what they think I look like, they will not know me. They will not know what made me come, what face came to me in the black windows, what it felt like for me to eat a mango in the middle of summer, juice dripping down my chin. Six. I prayed for direction until I realised I was on a one-way system through through the bog with its fairies and moss its prehistoric wood buried under layers of muck ice the faded coke can glinting from the heather through the awkward silences through the death of our parents through the intimacy of our friendships through the salt and sweat through the monday mornings through the dumping and being dumped through having to try again and again and again and that's what hurts like a nail to the foot seven I prayed on my knees and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed until the fabrics of this world and the others thinned and I heard a voice say, cherish it. Lovely stuff. Thanks. Thank you very much. And is that also from the new collection? Yeah, well, I mean, I've not made the final cut yet, but I'd say that that they will be. They're my favourites at the moment, so I'm sure that they will be. So one, uh, just to, uh, I, I noticed that your solo show, Daddy Drag, mm. won uh, an award in 2019, the Autopsy Award, which sounds brilliant, for groundbreaking mm. work in Scotland. Um, so tell us a bit about what a solo show from you is. Is it, is it, is it you and the poetry or is it something else? Is what, yeah, I'd be, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, so um, I, I'm a bit all over the place. I don't really have a brand because I always think of my idea first and then I kind of like let the form um, kind of, I suppose, assist it. Mm. So, for example, my first show, Hopeless, was a spoken word show and everything in it was um, kind of... Um, poems interweaved with uh, multimedia so I had like recordings of my family and speaking in it um, and I also had like video and um, lots of and me just speaking normally whereas Daddy Drag um, was about my my relationship to my dad and I and I did write it as a spoken word show and then I really didn't like it as a spoken word show so I decided to make it a drag show instead and um, my mum narrated it through recordings um, so it was very different and probably I don't know if you would say it was poetry or not I think some people have described it as poetry but I wonder if that's just sometimes because they know me as a, like a poet um, but it definitely felt more like a drag show that was like the vehicle to tell the story and I kind of feel like that with like all my art like I, I have the story and then I figure out what framing is going to yeah. help assist it in the, be- the best way I suppose um, and then I can do that on a micro level as well so I can do that within a poem structure or within a you know a a, a 
a performance set, you know, decide how best for it to, to all sit together in a way. And I think that that's what really came from from drama school, you know, is figuring out the journey that the audience will go on whenever they, they hear the story. Yeah, I really like the idea of the kind of form being dictated, not dictated, but led mm. by the by 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 the content really of what you've you've got. And that also that will sort of mean that you do lots of different kinds of, of different kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and I suppose what's giving you um the most satisfaction at the moment in terms of writing? To be honest, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I'm actually doing The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron at the moment. Um, no, have you heard you, of it? Yes, it. it's amazing. It's actually, it's like 30 years old, I think, um, maybe even longer. But um, it's it's kind of like a, a workbook and it's all about rediscovering your, your creativity. That's how it's kind of framed. And every week you're asked to look at a different aspect of creativity. And I think it's about trying to like find your... Um, find your inner child a little bit and like be mm. playful and you know what we were talking about failure mm. earlier as well and and it's um it's amazing actually and yeah they make you do three three pages of continuous writing every morning and you have to take yourself on an artist's date every week so you have to take mm. yourself on a date by yourself to go do something that fills you up and I think the whole idea is about you know that your creativity is a cup um, that you have to fill um, in order to to write stuff um, and that that can be from playing you know they encourage you to do things she encourages you to do things that you love to do when you were younger um, and stuff like that but yeah that at the moment that has been my anchor actually um, and just going back to all of that time has given me real um, structure and yeah filled up my cup a little bit I think um, mm. so yeah poetry at the moment is my is my favourite form right now and I'm getting mentored as well um, by Kim Adonisio who's just a hero of mine so that is that's is really filling up my cup as well I'm interested to know uh yeah I'm interested to know what your artist date was this week <laughs> oh what was my art I went to it was a bit boring this week actually I went to my I went to the Glasgow Film Festival and saw a film a French film um which is Again, a bit glamorous for this week. Like I also did collaging last week, where I just cut up loads of newspapers, which was really fun as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, just things like that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, uh, yeah, just, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in that. I, I was, I was working with some young people at Chapel FM last year. One of them does a lot of drawing and working with wax pastels. She's only about mm. thirteen. And she got us doing. She led a, a workshop with with us, I with the rest that. of us, and it was great. And it really set me on a on a journey. And I bought some stuff. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've never seen myself as an artist. I'm not in that sense a visual person. But um, I um, so I've been doing that more or less every day for about six oh, cool. months. So making sort of just really sort of marks on a page, and I spend five minutes on it, and I, and then I put it away and. I spray it with that fixative, <laughs> it doesn't all go away, and 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 I leave it, and it, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. That sounds amazing, and I bet you are less scared about failing when you're doing that because it's like a new thing. Exactly. I think like writers really struggle because you know if you've been writing for a while, there's certain expectations on you, but actually when you're asked to draw, you, there's a freedom that is just you know amazing. That's right. Yeah, I don't have any, you know, I've not nothing I've nothing to prove with it. It's just mm. it's just it's just me and it does give me a freedom to I said well, to fail actually is and to uh, you know, I, I don't even know whether something's good or not generally. I just I just enjoy doing it. 
Um, mm. Yeah, and it's and it's color in a in a world that can frankly be uh, you know colorless. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, just tell me a bit about the film that's on this week in your glamorous yeah. week. <laughs> so I I made a film last year, which was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, it was it was crazy because you know I I usually work mostly by myself. I'll have like a couple of collaborators. But I had a crew of like 28 people. It was crazy. Um, so it was like a massive jump. Um, and it's about a young girl who goes um, on work experience in a nail salon. Um, but it's really about the relationship between this young girl and her boss. And it kind of, I kind of wrote it after Me Too because I was finding there was a lot of stories about the abuse of power between um, with men abusing their power. And actually there was something that I felt was missing from the conversation because I've been in lots of kind of sticky relationships with older women or women that have more power than me. Mm. And I really wanted to to kind of talk about that. And it's um, it's premiering at the Glasgow Glasgow Short Film Festival. So this is exciting. Oh, well, yeah. good luck with that. It sounds brilliant. Thanks. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, so can we have, uh, yeah, one more poem and... and um, uh, and then suddenly we might have to. Well, we're going to hear a piece of music that uh, you've you've chosen as well. But yeah, it'd be lovely Amazing. to hear hear something more. Um, so this poem is called "Weep," um, and it's <clears> about <throat> I'm a big crier. I cry all the time, um, and I wanted to write a poem about that. Weep. I cannot stop crying. I am a dam overflowing, a spot squeezed, splatted and snotted. I am an open wound seeping, a rainforest downpour. It would seem that I am spilling from my seams. I am a tidal wave, a tsunami. If only you could see me, my banks are breaking, the boys are bobbing, the boats rising. I am unable to control myself to the telly. I cry that I am a celebrity, a plea to a charity, a dog trust advert, children winning tickets on the radio to a concert. I could be paid to weep for a widow at graveside. Recently, there isn't a day I haven't cried. I could fill a bath. I could run a river. I could star in an opera. No limits to my drama. I could boil my tears to make you a plate of pasta as long as you didn't mind the salt I have been broken in at my vault and maybe I'm just crying for the swell of it how it all oozes into our edges and soaks us to our toes how some things shine and others are unfair to the bone just give me it all don't ever let me close back up because feeling it is the only thing I've got great stuff thanks ever so much for, for being with us Layla. just wanted to ask you um yeah so if is there anything you've talked about the poetry you've talked about the, the book coming oh yes in fact i want to ask you about that just before i ask you this question uh, you where <laughs> when's the book coming out and when are you doing your tour and it'd be great to arrange something at chapel fm if we can oh i'd love that yeah so i'm doing the the book's coming out in november so i think it's going to be out at the start of the month um and i'm hoping to be um kind of in the north of england maybe december and january mm. so it'll be sometime around then and i um um, what else did you ask me? That's everything. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> um, good. Sorry. Well, we'll get talking about that. And uh, yeah, anything particularly uh, you're looking forward to in the next few months uh, in uh, terms of writing? In terms of writing, in terms of what what I'm or looking performing. forward to reading. Uh, well, actually, yeah. What well, that's an interesting one. I've asked you about actually. I, well, my question was more about um, yeah. So. Anything you're particularly, you know, you've got a commission coming up or something you, you're looking forward to getting your, your, your hands into? 
I'm actually writing, I've been commissioned to write a children's book um, by the Rainbow Library in the summer um, about being bi, which will be interesting. And they're, they're hoping to have, um, to increase the LGBTQ presence of books in libraries and schools. So they've commissioned like 10 writers um, from that community to write about um, their kind of queer identity. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be really fun. Well, I think it's going to be really hard, but it'll be really fun as well. And it'll be another kind of um, thing to add to to add to the CV, and, or not to the CV, but to the array of forms that I work within. Great. And it's good to work in different forms. I mean, it just seems to be less stigma attached to, to working in different forms now, it's, I think. I think it's easier, to be honest, to spread your th- your yourself through different projects in terms of like economically as well mm. um and just keep things moving i do wonder if you know if i had committed to one form whether i'd be you know winning oscars or you know winning <laughs> winning t.s Eliot prizes but actually i'm too busy all over the place but you know you just have to follow where where the ideas come from that's what i always say follow the idea follow the heart or follow the money those are the three the three things you've got to ask yourself Oh, that's great. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> um, and just, yes, you mentioned reading. What are you reading at the moment? I am actually reading uh, Joelle Taylor's book um, at the moment. So um, I don't know if I can swear, but it's called Canto. Um, and I am really looking forward to Ocean Vong's new um, book coming out as well. That is on my radar for sure. Brilliant. Okay, well, thanks for talking to us. And um it would be great to hear the piece of music you've suggested, which is by The Gloaming. Could you say why you've chosen that? Yeah, I just um, I just love traditional music and it makes me feel so many emotions. And I, I wonder if I have been influenced by that with my poetry in terms of like the, the movement of, the, of it or the rhythm of it, how the rhythm changes throughout the piece. That's kind of why I picked it and also... Um, I also just, you know, it just reminds me of home as well. I'm a half Irish, so I, I like, I like to be reminded of that. So it's called the Sailor's Bonnet by the Gloaming. Thanks ever so much for talking to us, Layla. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope to see you see you soon.
love the control. Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. Thank you so much to Layla and remember she will be coming to Chapel FM on October the 29th. Do go to our website and book your ticket for £3. That's a snip at the price. So uh, now we're going to hear an interview with Mags Grinnell. Mags works at LS14 Trust, which is a fabulous community centre in Seacroft, our area in Leeds, in East Leeds. Uh, where there's a, a wonderful cafe. It's a great organisation. It was recorded as part of our series Home From Home, which is about places where people feel they belong, where they feel at home, that isn't home. And Mags is talking, and it is, of course, a programme about words and language, about the importance of communication and linking people up, which is her job at LS14 Trust. Hi, my name's Mags. Um, so I've worked at the LS14 Trust for um, just over six years and during that time um, my role's changed quite a bit. I came um, to be a community food host um, which was around um, a project around food and how we eat and not just what we eat but who we eat with um, and learning about um, people's access to food and people's um, enjoyment of food but also people's challenges with food um, and set up the community cafe uh, at the Ellis 14 Trust building and just got involved with loads of different things um, from that and then over the time um, that project came to a close um, so got involved with all different things and now my role um, since the pandemic um, has changed quite a lot and so now I work as a kind of community development volunteer coordinator but not just for the LS14 Trust but working in partnership across the We Are Seacroft collective um, so if people come to me um, and say I want to get involved um, I won't just look for opportunities within the LS14 Trust I'll look across Seacroft and see what's going on and see if there's a, a good match and a good fit for someone who wants to offer a little bit of their time to get involved in their neighbourhood, in their community and also look after anyone who wants to come and do a placement um, in the community so we've had lots of community nurses um, and then other students that just want a bit of experience within the community um, and look for opportunities for them to get involved and find out um, just about all the different kinds of exciting things and interesting things that we do across across the neighbourhood. Brilliant and that's uh, that you know you've referred people to our writing group in the past mm-hmm. which I suppose is part of your your, yeah. your job, yeah, yeah. brilliant. So, so, people I've talked to have, have spoken very warmly about LS14, particularly, mm-hmm. and the Kempney Community Centre, and, and talk about a kind of revival, really, within Seacroft in terms of places people can go. Is that yeah. your impression? Yeah, I think it's growing and uh, developing where places where 
people can feel at home or can feel comfortable enough to um, access support or access groups or or just have a cuppa really and, and meet over a conversation um, and I think that the spaces that are inhabited by people um, who have that ethos of being warm and welcoming that rubs off and so then a, and then the place the building the physical spaces become a place where people feel at ease but often I think it's the people that are in those spaces that make 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 it work and make it feel like it's that's somewhere I want to go and that's somewhere where I want to hang out and it sometimes it doesn't really matter what it is that they've gone to but they just feel that um the space is welcoming warm and they feel at ease and I think so there's the physicality of a building and that can be adapted and changed to make people feel more at home but it's often the people that make it feel like home or make it feel like a safe and welcoming space. Yes, that's interesting. And I mean, I think people, young people, well, people who are now older but talk about places they went to as a young person, often mm-hmm. it's place but it's somebody who was kind of transformative for them in that place. Yeah, do you think was there anybody? We'll come back to uh, to LS14 in a minute. Well, I'm just thinking of you as a younger person, for instance. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, you are a younger person, of course. But I'm not sure younger than me. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, I'm just wondering if there was any anywhere in your in your life that that ha- has been like that or, or is is like that. I think for me, home and creating spaces where people feel comfortable um, has has been quite an important thing in my life. And so um, in the past, uh, we have used, um, myself and my family, have used our home to be a place of welcome for all kinds of people. We, um, for probably a significant part of my life, Um, married life I guess our home was a place where anybody could come and have share meals um, be made to feel like it was a safe space a happy space a place where it didn't matter that it was our home but what was good was the relationships that were built around a table around hospitality around good food um, and so that has been a really significant part of my life. Um, slightly different at the moment for various reasons, but um, definitely I look back on those times as being shaping me as a person, where a place where I learn a lot about about welcoming and um, how relationships are really important um, and and can be even a place where it's painful. Um, or difficult but you work through that um, by being together and sharing you know commonality uh, in in those places so my home has been a place that has been a place of welcome Um, but also then community spaces um, even um, at the moment I'm studying to um, become a counsellor and actually I found that my fellow students have been a place of of a say become a, a place where I can learn um from others and so my college space um with with 
people on a similar journey has become a place where I feel at ease. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because you're unravelling stuff about yourself um, and learning a lot about others' experiences, but that has been a place where I've grown as a person as well. And so I look to that place as a a place for me um, at this point in my life. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear about... You know, because sometimes I think, you know, we can sort of romanticise social spaces and they're lovely and they're a bit fluffy. But actually, as you say, sort of being together, inviting anybody and people into your home or into your space or sharing a space with other people who are working on the stuff. (laughs) As we all are most of the time, either consciously or unconsciously, that that can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting to hear that perspective. Yeah. And certainly for me... um, not right now, but um, say about six before I came to Ellis Walking Trust, I lived really in a community of of people where we spent a lot of time um, doing ex- really good things and maybe sometimes difficult things in a community. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much about myself during that time, but also I learned a lot about other people, and I enjoy being with people some most of the time that are different from me. Um, so I don't always look for people that are just similar to me because that can become quite vanilla uh, in a way. But some I learn so much from people that are different to me, um, and I want I enjoy finding out their stories and finding out where they're from and what makes them tick and what makes them who that who they are. Um, and I I learn more about that from people who are different to me and my experience and together we find shared commonality. I think that's really, really interesting and very much a sort of theme for our time, isn't it? Where, uh, it, would it be true to say, this is being a, a bit of a devil's advocate, but, but some, the, the whole idea of the safe space, that mm. people talk about the safe space, they, they tend to talk about that in terms of people, you being with people who are like you, who have the same views. So I just wonder whether mm. you can have a safe communal space, if you like, where people do differ in yeah. that way can it still be safe yeah i think it depends how it's hosted or how um because we there are opportunities to celebrate difference in our society and mm. and not not all be the same and i think that's exciting um diversity brings about color and uh, brings about you know celebrating the differences and it sound it it could sound a bit idealistic, but I think so. I think there are challenges to that, and I think often we can talk about, or you know, our places of comfort are where people understand us and are the same. Mm. But actually, to break out of that and realise that there's there's commonality in indifference as well, um, and sometimes difficult conversations or. Um, diverse conversations are the place where we learn the most and we learn also that we have despite differences that we there are certain human commonalities we have in common yes yes yeah Yeah, definitely and there's yeah yeah, that i think different experiences expose us to things that we might not have thought about before Mm. so that in itself um expands our life our worldview our, our space and our place in the world i guess well, it's very, a very hopeful uh, way of looking at things in a world where we seem to be 
It's a little bit of a cliche, but we seem to be shifting into silos and into our separate places and not talking to people who are different from us. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I was going to come back to the community. Mm. Are you okay for time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to the co- the community calf because I mean, in terms of setting that up yeah. and what it's become now is it's, it's just lovely. I went there yesterday. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I mean, that must be must be very satisfying to do. Was it also challenging? Um, I think when we when we first opened the cafe, um, we had lots of different ideas of what it could be, um, and we started by trying to do a kind of pay as you feel cafe, and that didn't go down so well because we found that people just wanted to know what to pay, and so eventually after a little while, we quickly turned into into the small change cafe. So we we did put a price on things and that seemed to work better because people knew where they were at and what what was what and and that kind of thing um and then obviously with the pandemic happening we had to shut that space because it we couldn't do it safely um so it's been really exciting to be part of in the last few months developing the space in a different way moving the cafe painting walls sanding down just practically getting involved with that but for it to turn into this quite a beautiful space now um with with hopes of of what it can become and i you know personally have really enjoyed being part of that process um of and feel immensely proud of of what it is becoming and hopeful for for the conversations really and for offering hospitality and fun uh, which are part of our values of working in uh, LS14 Trust um, and so to be part of that in in, in ways that conversate where conversations can happen that can be life changing or that can make a difference is is really hopeful I think mm. hopeful to be part of. So yes, how <coughs> excuse me. What 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 would be how, you know you look at that if you think of that uh, space in a few years' time. What do you hope? What are the things you hope will happen there apart from conversations? Obviously. Yeah, well, good coffee for a start, which is uh, <laughs> always a nice thing. Um, good food, an opportunity for people to get involved, get skilled up in um, you know caf- in the cafe space, but also in the pantry space. That it would would just be a place where people enjoy to come, like mm. to come. I think that things will grow and develop out of it, so we'll, we might spark some ideas of things that people want to do in their own in their own community, and those conversations can be had there, but the, it can spill out into the neighbourhood, into the park, it, across, across Seacroft, really, but it would just be a hub of a, a place where people can access help and support, but also spark new and fresh ideas. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Love the commas. Love the apostrophes. Love the colons and the question marks. Love the words from East Leeds FM. No, no, Lita. No, no, Lita. Perushi